Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Instead of making guys change the way we behave, maybe schools should change the way they're structured. That's from Tyler, aged 16. This is a big topic we are tackling today on the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being our listeners and supporting our sponsors. Tyler, age 16, recently said, instead of making guys change the way we behave, maybe schools should change the way they're structured. Jen and I have talked a lot on this podcast about our how our educational system is mainly set up for girls to be successful, which means that it isn't necessarily a fit for many boys which means that many boys are left feeling like school isn't for them, which leads to a lack of motivation, frustration, disappointment, anger, and the potential for further problems down the road. Some parents are turning to all boys schools as the answer. Do you ever wonder what your middle school son might say if he had the choice of an all boys school? Recently, Dooley Jargon, family and tech columnist for the Wall Street Journal, a mom of two boys and a girl, has been researching and writing about school options and challenges for boys. Julie joins us to share what she's learned. Welcome, Julie. Thank you for having me. We have loved these recent articles that you've written about all-boy options, about the challenges, about you know, should we hire a coach, a tutor to help our son through, especially the middle school years, which can be super challenging because we know, you know, for boys and girls, the developmental level is so different. So kind of some of the things that didn't show up in elementary school start to show up in middle school. So dive in and we'd love to hear, I would love to hear more about Tyler because he sounds like he's got, he's got something to say. Yes, he sure did. Um, yeah, so I, I spoke with this, um, you know, very smart 16-year-old um, boy in Texas, and, you know, he was just describing what school is like for him, and he said he he started struggling academically when he got to middle school because he found that suddenly he had no recess, uh, PE yeah. was not every day, and he just found it really hard to sit still in class all day, and at his uh, middle school at that time, they had block schedules. So for any listeners who don't know what that means, that means fewer classes during the day where teachers can go more in depth on the subject matter. But that means those classes, instead of maybe being 45, 50 minutes long, they're like 90 minutes long. Mm -hmm. So it's fewer breaks to transition between classes. Uh, You're in one class for a long time. And that was a difficult transition for him. I'm in my 50s. I'm a female (laughs) and I feel like I have learned most of us who are adults now realize we do better if you work for a shorter period, get up, move around, step outside if at all possible. And it's ironic that so many of us are trying to incorporate that into our working lives. And yet we expect middle school children to function sitting inside a building, paying attention straight. 90 minutes at a time, then walk from this class to this class and don't get too rowdy in the hallway and do it all over again. Yeah. And there's also a lot of research on just the health benefits of getting up and moving around and how it's harmful to your health to be sitting all day long. And we know that for boys, especially when they move their bodies, their brains are engaged. If they're sitting still, their brains are kind of going to sleep. So you can imagine this growing boy in seventh grade having to sit still for 90 minutes, along with all the social aspect, you know, what's the girl next to him doing? Ooh, do I raise my hand? Because what's the girl going to say? Or what's happening in the hall socially? And then throw in hmm, 
four teachers, five teachers that all have different expectations. And I don't know about you, but I don't think I'd be a successful middle school student. Well, that's the thing. A lot of these things that are um, detrimental to boys or beneficial to boys are the same for girls. Mm -hmm. It's not that boys need something vastly different. I think Mm -hmm. everybody, you know, from the people I have spoken to, the things that can benefit boys would also be beneficial to girls because who wants to sit still for that long? I mean, girls want to get outside and move around and play too. And I was talking to the principal of an all boys middle school in the Dallas Independent School District. And he was saying that they use timers in their classroom. Every 15 minutes, the boys transition to a new activity, a new station in the, within the classroom. And he said that that was based on brain science that shows that boys need to move every 15 minutes. And so it's things like that, that, you know, you don't have to send your kid to an all boys school to, to benefit from these things. I mean, if traditional co-ed schools adopted some of these techniques, it could be incorporated into the school day without upending the whole school system. And talk about a cheap option, right? I mean, everybody listening and you, Janet, like schools are not a wash in cash. School budgets have been tight for a very long time. There, There is not a lot of money and resources to do things drastically differently. But a timer, like everybody in the room has one on their phone or device. You can do that. I was just in my eight-year-old son's third grade classroom yesterday for a little holiday party. And they were transitioning every 15 minutes to a different table to do a different activity. There were different crafts, card games, snacks. And I don't know if it was intentional on the teacher's part just to keep the kids moving, but it worked. The The classroom was operating really smoothly. The kids were not rambunctious. You know, they weren't getting antsy and bored. The 15 minutes at one table was just enough to complete their craft. And then they were on to the next thing. So these mm. things are simple. It's, it, you know, no one's proposing to completely upend the school day at traditional schools, because as we know, like you said, that would be really hard to do. But simple things like timers and just letting the kids hop outside for a little bit shouldn't mm-hmm. be that hard. I'm going to, I'm raising my hand as a former educator and as someone who has been in schools mentoring teachers. And Jen and I have talked so often here about how difficult it is to change this system that is so ingrained. It's like, you know, how do you turn an ocean liner? It is nearly impossible. And there are innovative teachers out there who are willing to try, you know, moving kids every 15 minutes. But there is the place also that teachers are either so habituated to, it's got to look this way, it's got to be this way, or they're afraid of things getting a little bit too chaotic. And if that gets out of control, how do they bring it back into control? And what I've worked with teachers to realize is that that noise, that chaos is actually okay. And the more they have that, actually, the more likely they are to be able to have those 15 minutes to settle into an activity because they've had that kind of out breath and then they can settle back. But otherwise, you're trying to like keep the lid on a boiling pot. Uh-huh. And that's not that's not good for anybody. Yeah, you know, when I do, um, when I sit down with my, my oldest son to do homework, because he has a lot of homework these days as an eighth grader, you know, after he's done one assignment, he'll say, you know, can I just get up and move around? I just need to move around. And I'm like, of course. So he'll get up and he'll just jump around and do his thing. And 15, 20 minutes later, he comes back and he sits down and he can focus on the next thing. And it's kids know what they need. And we just need to listen to them. That it's difficult on, on teachers because they are under pressure to teach all these core subjects. The kids take mm-hmm. these standardized tests. Teachers are evaluated on how their students are performing. You know, so it's difficult because you want to be able to get all this instruction into the kids' heads so that they can absorb and and learn all of the things they're supposed to learn, all the core subjects. But it doesn't leave a lot of room for creativity Mm -hmm. when the teachers are under pressure to teach to tests. You talked to, you know, some innovative schools doing these things, right? You know, so the the, um, assistant principal that you were talking about, you know, the every 15 minutes and making time for outside. You also talked with a lot of families who, like so many families in the United States, there are families that like they know in their heart of hearts, their kids need to move more. They need this. And they are working in systems and in schools where like that is not happening right now. Can you talk about some of the concerns and frustrations that you heard from families, from students, 
brief pause for a message from our new sponsor. Jen, you and I have talked so often about this interesting uh, juxtaposition of our boys going into puberty as moms go into perimenopause. I know you have experienced this <laughs> firsthand. It seems like a cosmic joke. But yes, often our moms are going through perimenopause at the same time. And Janet, I know you too can talk about, you know, mood swings and interruptions in sleep and random bouts of rage and hot flashes. Can we talk about hot flashes? Changes in the functioning of your body, feeling like your body is not your body and not knowing what to do with this new one. It's so confusing, so frustrating. Made more frustrating by the fact that even in 2024, trying to get your doctor to take this seriously can be a real challenge. We have a new brand sponsor, Winona, and they are here to help women who are dealing with perimenopause and menopause symptoms. So although you should be able to get this care at home from your doctor through your network, if you are struggling, here is an option. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are real, important, and deserve to be taken seriously. You can schedule a consult with a physician. This physician can consider and prescribe hormonal treatment if indicated. It's worth giving it a try if you need help. 80% of women who use Winona find relief in just 90 days, and that can be life-changing. Learn more, go to buywinona, B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A, buywinona.com. You can start a free visit and there is free U.S. shipping. You can pause or cancel at any time. There are zero obligations to exploring this path to wellness. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A.com slash ONBOYS. Winona, menopause care made easy. And now back for more about our boys and school. Yeah, so a lot of parents I spoke to um, their sons have been diagnosed with ADHD. They've either been told that their sons are disruptive in class, or in some cases, they're not disruptive in class, but they're fidgety. They're having a hard time sitting still. They're trying to get services for their kids. Sometimes they get services through school. Sometimes they don't. And so a lot of parents have been going the private route and paying a lot of money for tutors, for various academic coaches, which go by a number of different names. There are executive functioning coaches. There are uh, you know, um, ADHD coaches, all sorts of people that will help students develop organizational skills and time management skills, which a lot of boys struggle with. Mm-hmm. And so parents are having to shell out a bunch of money to try to get their kids up to speed because mm-hmm. they've reached a point where all of a sudden their, their sons are in middle school, they're realizing grades are starting to matter, and their sons are falling behind because they're not turning in their homework, or they're not completing it the way they're supposed to. And a lot of their grade is based on just turning in the assignments, you know, get an easy A if they just turn in all their work. But a lot of times the work's sitting in their folder and it might be done or it's online and they forgot to hit the submit button, kind of disorganized and they don't know how to work within that, that framework. Their brains just haven't caught up to that level of executive functioning yet. Whereas a lot of girls that are ahead of them in those skill areas are turning in neat perfectly done homework on time mm-hmm. all the time and now they're competing against those those girls who are going to college at at higher rates than than boys are and so that's where a lot of this sort of panic parental panic is set in where parents are going wow there's I'm reading about all these colleges where there are 60 percent female students and 40 percent male students what's going on here I, I got to get my my kiddo up to speed so that's kind of a where parents are at right now, there's a lot of worry out there about their boys falling behind and not being able to have a bright future. Worry and pressure. And I think Jen and I are on the same wavelength here. Part of it is developmental. And we're trying to make our boys be organized when they're not there yet. They're just not there yet. Yes, we have to like teach them in that way, but they're, it's a, they're practicing right now. They are 
undeveloped humans in that regard. And we've said on here before that fully functioning executive function, the frontal lobe of the brain isn't fully online until your son is in his late twenties to 30. And so to have, you know, hire these coaches and do all this tutoring, I'm not saying that's not a good thing. It could be, but the having realistic expectations yeah. for your son's age. And we know that developmentally, our boys are eh, a year to a year and a half behind their chronological age, not behind their classmates, but behind their own chronological age. So we've, you know, stepped up academic expectations, sports expectations, and we're making these boys do things that they're not ready to do or have the expectation that they'll do them before they're developmentally ready to do them. Yeah. So then if you throw COVID into the mix, now you've got students who are, you know, socially and emotionally farther behind than, than they normally would have been even at that age. Mm -hmm. So you've got kids that are starting in middle school and they may have lost that last year or year and a half of elementary yep. school with in-person instruction so they're getting used to socializing with friends again and learning how, you know, middle school works, which is so different. They're suddenly more independent. Parents don't have as much relationship building with the teachers and their the expectation is that parents take a bit of a hands-off approach and let the, let the students advocate for themselves, which in my reporting and my own personal experience, I found is often very hard for boys to speak mm -hmm. up for themselves mm -hmm. and tell the teacher when they're struggling or ask the teacher what assignments are missing. So I think all of this is compounded by yeah. the fact that we've just come out of this pandemic. There's the learning loss, but there's also the delays in the social and emotional development. You know, there's an additional layer to that. Research has consistently shown that boys tend to be more affected by stressors in their environment than girls. And that's all the way from pre-birth through the lifespan. So that lack of in-person interaction very likely had more of a dramatic effect on our boys than on our girls. I'm not saying girls aren't affected. Absolutely, they were. A study just came out. Um, I saw the, the authors writing about it in Scientific American this week, looking at the impact of the, the loss of a grandparent to death, the impact on boys academically. And, when, and they looked at both boys and girls, but it was not the same impact for girls. And as these authors pointed out, there are very many boys who lost caregivers, who lost grandparents during the COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. So all of this, it's a pretty um, trauma-based stew. And then to be like, well, Buster, get it together. And this is where my soapbox is. And, and Janet, I know you're here with me. Stay tuned for Jen's soapbox after these messages from our sponsors. I just feel like we need more people parents, 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 and educators kind of pushing back against these expectations. Like you said, Janet, some of it is develop developmentally inappropriate to start with. Now we're looking at kids who have just been through additional trauma. Come on, what we are asking is not in line with developmental expectations. Pull back and let's get real about it and support kids actually where they are instead of trying to get them to this mythical place where we think they should be based on past stuff and based on where we want them to go to school in, you know, six to eight years. And then throw in all of the technology on top of that. Yes. So post-COVID, students are returning to school with their Chromebooks because they all, mm -hmm. were, not all, but most school districts issued devices to students so they could do remote schooling at home, which was great. I mean, that's some education still was happening, but they didn't go back to paper and pencil. So students are toting their Chromebooks from class to class, you know, middle school and high school. And there's so many distractions on that. You know, as much as things are filtered out from the school device level, there's YouTube, there's, you know, games that they can access. And, and we've heard know. stories of kids managing to like basically send notes to each other in Google Docs and things like that, which they are supposed to be using for school. Exactly. So there's plenty of distractions even on what's allowed within uh, the school's filtering systems. And then, you know, they come home and Jennifer, I think you and I talked about this before 
uh, for a lot of these boys, they just want to let out some steam. And, and Tyler, the young man I spoke to for this piece, said the same thing. You know, gets home from school. He wants to play video games with mm -hmm. his friends because there he sees purpose and progress. When they're at school, they may not understand what, the, you know, the algebra they're doing and how that's going to benefit them later. They don't have that far forward thinking ability yet. But when they're playing video games, there's a mission to complete. And, you know, it may take 15, 20 minutes. It's mm -hmm. it's not five years down the road. It's yeah, fairly right? immediate. Yeah. And they've got a group of boys and they're playing together. It's collaborative. And hours can go by. <laughs> and all of a sudden, mom or dad is saying, hey, <laughs> what about your homework? This happens to my house mm -hmm. all the time. Uh, and they're like, oh, yeah. You know, they just get lost in that game mm -hmm. because it's so rewarding and boy, going to your algebra homework after that feels really boring. So it's sort of this vicious cycle where like school feels slow and not very rewarding. And then they've got this very immersive online environment with their friends that is very rewarding. So this is all at play for, for mm -hmm. these, mm -hmm. these books. Well, I recently saw a, a news article about a school in uh, maybe Florida, maybe Georgia, not sure, but they are there rule now is cell phones get parked at the door in the morning. Have you come across this, Julie? And they're seeing this shift in students paying more attention, students asking questions in class, that the engagement level is way up. That's another piece also. And hopefully most middle school kids don't have phones yet, but they're still prevalent. Oh, I think most middle school students do have phones. Yeah. <laughs> And I've written about some schools that have gone very, you know, phone free, as well as these uh, boys schools that I interviewed for my latest piece. Um, a lot of them, you know, they're collecting the phones at the start of the day and the smartwatches, too, because those can be distracting. And so the kids that don't have access to their personal devices during the school day, they may have iPads for some assignments, but they are not able to, you know, be on their phones at lunch. And a lot of public schools have done this, too, in, in all fairness. Mm -hmm. My yeah. kids go to a really great school where they're not allowed to have their devices out during the day. Um, I'm sure some kids do sneak it, but they, they do have consequences for that. So yeah, they're, they're, they're there to learn they're not there to get texts from mom. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Parents that are texting the kids during the day. It's not mm -hmm. their friends. Their friends are right there with them. So, you know, I have to say, this is where I, as a parent of 20 um, somethings and late teenagers, I really feel like schools and society did us dirty because we were like, we were raising the first generation of kids who really had, you know, phones, internet connected phones and things. And there were parents who were like, I don't want them using this in schools. And schools were like looking it's to embrace the technology. And I don't fault the schools for that because we were all learning, right? You know, let's use a Kahoot. Let's do this. Let's do that. And so meanwhile, my kids go all the way through school. Many other kids go all the way through school. And now, you know, schools are like, oh, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have the kids having their things during the day. And it's frustrating because I think my my big, bigger frustration is here. Often you do have parents, parents and families and kids saying, this is what we need to learn. And the system is so inflexible that it just doesn't catch up with that. And then you've got families who can, you know, like you said, Julie, hiring tutors, hiring coaches, hiring all these things. And not everybody can do that. And meanwhile, a whole generation of boys has grown up. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to we're going to start to see the lasting repercussions of that. I mean, it's there's already this evidence, um, you know, with those college age kids you know when they're they're not there the boys are not there on the college campuses like mm -hmm. they used to be so what are we going to see in another five ten years with this yeah. current group of middle high school and you know elementary kids coming up you know if something doesn't change because boys tend to fall behind and those are my famous air quotes around there you know at this middle school because they're not developmentally there and yet they're these expectations um, schools are trying to get kids the services they need, not always finding them through school. So they may be looking outside, private services, tutors, coaches, all of these things. Uh, Julie, did your reporting reveal any like what parents should look for and not look for? And the reason why I'm asking is because this seems like such a vulnerable time for parents. You know, you're concerned, you're willing to spend money, and there are a lot of people 
who are frankly willing to take your money who may not be able to help your son. That's true. I didn't I I didn't get too in, in depth about what you should look for if you're going about hiring a tutor or coach. There probably are smart questions to ask uh, that I didn't get into in the reporting about how you evaluate someone. You would want to ask them for what are their metrics of success? What's their track record? If they can't tell you what their metrics are is like what, what percentage of students went on after a certain amount of time to get better grades or graduate from high school, then, you know, maybe look elsewhere. So I think just asking the questions about what, what does that translate to? Um, what are you, what are the results of, of this tutoring? How long do you have to do it? How mm -hmm. much money do you have to pay? Is this something that you, you know, <laughs> you have to have a private tutor or academic coach for the next six years? You yeah. Know, what's that going to look like? How long does it take to help a, a kid learn some of these skills? You know, are they things that you as a parent can do yourself? Because um, some of the things I heard when talking to people seemed pretty obvious, you know, like putting a ticker or some sort of note on your child's folder that says, you know, turn in work here <laughs> so yeah. that your child can have a folder with, you know, the stuff they bring home and the stuff that goes back to the teacher. Um, there's a lot of just visual cues that you can use. But I know that for some parents, for their child to be hearing it from them, it's yeah. Yeah. Complex, so sometimes you want that third party who can mm -hmm. tell them the same thing you tell them, but maybe it sinks in better or they receive it better coming from someone else. So Especially that be... at that middle school age, right, oh, Julie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that might be at play there where, you know, someone else can tell your kid the same thing and they'll do it when when someone else tells them, but they won't do it when you've told them repeatedly over and over again. Mm -hmm. So I don't fault parents for looking for those resources, but it does create a, another gap, sort of an income gap. For mm -hmm. those boys that don't have parents with the, the resources to, to do that for them. I do wonder, I, I am certainly not a legal scholar. I have not gone to law school, but I do know that children are entitled to a free and appropriate education. And I wonder if down the road, there may be somebody, somebody's trying to do lawsuits and being like, listen, we've got a whole class of kids, a whole bunch of boys who are not getting inappropriate education in our public schools. We're all yeah. going, hmm, who knows? Mm, mm, mm. Yep, yeah. who knows? I do know that there are schools that are, are trying to offer more tutoring. Um, I can't speak for all school districts, but in my own, there are a lot of high school students that will offer free tutoring during the school day. Like they'll come to the middle when, school when? at lunchtime or after school or during, during COVID and maybe they're still doing this. Uh, they would offer free tutoring remotely. So you could sign up for a time with a particular student on, on Zoom. So to me, that, that sounds like a great, you know, free resource within yeah. the public school sector mm -hmm. to utilize, you know, the skills of older students who have an opportunity to mentor younger ones. It's kind of a win-win. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. They're building and their skills and knowledge as well. And how great is it for, you know, a middle school student to look, looking up to a high school student to have that kind of bond. So I know, I know schools are doing that. Hear about all boys schools after these messages from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart Baby Formula. Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet. 
But a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin. And I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve. And I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. Yeah, and you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no. And they taste good. And they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants, not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's try, T-R-Y, dot easymelts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S, dot com forward slash onboys. Boys get dirty in the summer. When my guys were little, they spent so much time in the sandbox, in the dirt, that the bath water was visibly filthy by the end of bath time. I imagine that Bo will be spending some time outside this summer. Well, I'm remembering just yesterday what he looked like at the end of the day in Oma's garden because his hair was greasy and just wild and he was definitely ready for the bath. And I love about dabble and dollop, especially because I have Bo and he's two, is their bubble bath. I know when I put those bubbles in his bath, he's going to be in there for a long time, which is great. And the bubbles are going to last. Dabble and dollop bath products are made with high quality, natural ingredients. And as you said, there's everything from bubble bath to bath time shampoos, body washes, conditioner, lotion, bath bombs. We're using some dabble and dollop um, hand soap right now. I love the scent. I love it for myself. I'm using the coconut moisturizer. I love it. It feels great on my skin. So for kids and adults, dabble and dollop. You can go to dabble and dollop's website. That's dabblebath.com slash onboys. And you can get 20% off your first order. That's Dabble Bath, D-A-B-B-L-E-B-A-T-H dot com slash onboys and get 20% off for being a listener of onboys. So tell us about the all boys schools that you looked at. What were the major differences? What's the upside? What's the downside of all boys schools? I focused in particular on this all boys private middle school in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, because it was fairly new, just opened like two years ago. And their real focus was on giving kids a lot of movement, um, making sure that they have an opportunity almost in every class to move. They start their mornings a couple of days a week, all sitting outside in a circle and doing some mindfulness exercises. And, you know, their focus is really on holding boys accountable for their actions. So, there are times when in sitting in this circle, the kids will um, acknowledge if they've done something wrong, you know, if they've hurt someone's feelings, pushed someone, whatever it is, they have an opportunity to voice that and apologize for it, which I think is really yeah. wonderful. They're really big on reflection, reflecting on their behavior, knowing that they're they're going to make mistakes, but giving them the space to make those mistakes and learn from them and correct them. That a lot of times when they're in co-ed envir- environments or traditional schools, they don't have that opportunity. They make a mistake, they get in trouble off to the principal's office for detention or some other disciplinary action. Whereas, you know, in these all boys schools, there's an acknowledgement and understanding that yes, boys, all kids, but you know, these boys are going to make mistakes. But instead of just punishing them, they give them an opportunity to talk about it and apologize for it. So that was, that was one big thing. 
And that's um, the social and that's the social emotional learning that we keep talking about that our kids need. That's the that's the living embodiment of social emotional learning. And I think for boys, particularly for boys, that space and time part is so important because as they are growing, and this is true for all humans, of course, my specialty and experience is boys because I have these four sons. They react and they may not know why they reacted in the moment and they often Janet how many times have we said you know you got to give him time to kind of sit with it go off on his own if that's his thing and process it because he doesn't even always realize what happened when it happened how it happened and if you try and deal with it like Julie, I'm sure you've experienced this with your 13-year-old, with your 8-year-old. You know, if you try and deal with whatever the situation is while they're still, "Ah," you're not getting anywhere. They need that time themselves. And then they do need a safe space to be able to talk about it without fearing like the first thing that's going to happen is that the hammer is going to come down on them. Right. Yeah, that's a a really good point. And then movement and and hands-on learning were the other two really big things across all of these boys' schools. At this particular middle school in San Francisco, the boys get uh, a 20-minute morning snack break. They have a 45-minute lunch period where they're not eating the whole time. They're moving around and doing stuff. They have PE three to five days a week. One classroom has standing desks. I talked to another um, one of the all-boys schools in, in the Dallas area, public school. They have stationary bikes with desks. So nice. kids can be moving, but they've got their desk there. They let boys work on the floor if that's what they want to do. Big emphasis on getting outside, whether it's cold or warm, just getting outside, doing stuff, and then working with their hands. And, at, you know, a lot of schools, they've lost sort of these hands-on vocational education opportunities like woodshop. My son still has woodshop in his middle school. He loves it. It's his favorite class. He looks forward to that every day. But that that is gone from a lot of places. These all-boys schools, they have build classes and project-based classes Uh, where they are literally building things with their hands and learning mm -hmm. through science experiments or creating things, not just sitting and taking notes. Yes, yes, more please. And some of this is not costly. This is easy stuff. You know, how many stationary bikes are there at Goodwill? Great. Good point. Bring them in as a project, have the kids convert them to desks. I mean, this is not really challenging here, but it takes, I think, someone from outside of the school, outside of the school system. As we've talked about before, I just always think of Gemma Gaudet when we talk about how moms need to be the advocates for their boys. Moms, especially, not the dads shouldn't be, but moms can really change the tide in a classroom, in a school, if they, you know, it needs to be respectful, but some schools just don't have the energy and willpower and force to do that within their, within their faculty and staff. But if a parent says, Hey, let's do this thing and get some other moms on board, it's going to happen. It is going to happen. I would love to hear, Julie, you mentioned that that school um, in California is a newer school within the last two years, I think you said. What was the impetus and the push for that school? It was founded in part by um, a woman who had been involved in creating a girls' school. And then she had two sons and saw that there were some needs that were being unmet for boys. And she and some other parents got together and decided to create an all-boys middle school. And the founding head of school that they brought in had previously created another all-boys school okay. in California, as well as an all-girls mm-hmm. school. They brought in you know, some, some expertise and decided that they needed to create another option because there wasn't anything in that area of San Francisco for boys. And they had, they had seen the success of all-girls schools. You know, those exist too and have their own benefits. So they decided to create this. You know that there has been controversy about the idea of single sex schools as well. You know, the idea that, hey, this is a co-ed world. The boys need to learn how to get along with girls. Girls need to learn how to get along with boys. They need to learn how to respect each other. So that seems to be one piece. And then the other piece with all boys schools in particular, there have been uh, 
we have some pretty nasty news stories about these becoming toxic cultures where misogynistic, uh, sexist, sometimes racist behavior, it's like this crucible that allows that to happen. Talk to those concerns a little bit because, you know, that's what people are trying to work against also. Yeah, and I and I certainly understand the, the controversy around that. I think, you know, there has to be obviously strong leadership at the top of any single sex school and what its mission is and keeping in, in line with that. And I'm not saying that single sex education is even the answer. Uh, my point in writing this was to show that some of the things that they're doing at these schools that's working there can be replicated anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That you don't have to send your son to an all boys school. Maybe that's not the thing for them. Maybe that's not the answer for your particular child. But within the framework of your traditional public school system or private school co-ed system or charter school, whatever whatever type of school your kid goes to, those things that are working at these all boys schools can be done anywhere pretty easily without, like I said, disrupting the entire like school structure. You can yeah. you can have 15 minute timers. You can give more, you know, more outside breaks. You can have, you know, if not purchasing standing desks, you know, I talked to one uh, one principal who said that some students created their own standing desk. They had their mm-hmm. regular desk. They stacked a couple of boxes on it and then they mm-hmm. put their, yep. their, their computer on top of it or they just stood at it and had their pencil and paper. So these are, you know, simple things that can be done within whatever framework of schooling your child goes to. More about simple changes that can be made to help schools be more boy-friendly after these messages from our sponsor. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet, but a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin. And I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve. And I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. Yeah, and you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no, and they taste good. And they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants, not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's try, T-R-Y dot easymelts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S dot com forward slash onboys. Boys get dirty in the summer. When my guys were little, they spent so much time in the sandbox, in the dirt, that the bath water was visibly filthy by the end of bath time. I imagine that Bo will be spending some time outside this summer. Well, I'm remembering just yesterday what he looked like at the end of the day in Oma's garden because his hair was greasy and just wild and he was definitely ready for the bath and I love about dabble and dollop especially because I have Bo and he's two is their bubble bath I know when I put those bubbles in his bath he's going to be in there for a long time which is great And the bubbles are going to last. Dabble and Dollop bath products are made with high quality, natural ingredients. And as you said, there's everything from bubble bath to bath time shampoos, body washes, conditioner, lotion, bath bombs. We're using some Dabble and Dollop um, hand soap right now. I love the scent. I love it for myself. I'm using the coconut moisturizer. I love it. It feels great on my skin. So for kids and adults, Dabble and Dollop. You can go to Dabble and Dollop's website. That's dabblebath.com slash onboys. And you can get 20% off your first order. 
That's Dabble Bath, D-A-B-B-L-E-B-A-T-H dot com slash onboys and get 20% off for being a listener of onboys. Those are kind of the outward environmental things. I know you said in one one of your articles that boys feel more comfortable raising their hand, making mistakes. And I'm I'm recalling being in a, I think it was a fifth grade classroom, public school. The teacher actually separated the boys. They had their line of desks over here on one side of the classroom and the girls on the other. And they had something they were working on and talking with each other. And I went and talked to each group and said, you know, would you like this? Do you like being only the girls? Yeah, we really like it because we can, you know, we can talk. And and then I went over to the boys and do you like this? Do you like being all boys? Yes, because we can ask questions and the girls don't make fun of us. Recognizing this for your son and really, you know, stepping into his shoes in the day of how much is he kind of, and and not that girls don't do this, I'll give you that, but how much does he kind of recede and step back? Because he doesn't want to ask the question the wrong way or make the wrong mistake. I had one boy in a class not raise his hand, miss the assignment because he didn't want to ask the teacher for a pencil. Things like that are happening all the time. I was in my, uh, another observation from being in a classroom recently, I was in my daughter's sixth grade accelerated math class. They were doing a really fun holiday baking activity. They needed some parent volunteers and she asked me to volunteer. So I did. And what I noticed, they had, all the tables were groups of four students and the students had to assemble themselves into different groups for this baking activity. And I noticed that there were girls all assembled together and there were boys, there were no groups of boys and girls. And so I asked my daughter later, did the teacher assign you groups or how did this work? And she said, no, it's just who the the students chose. They selected who they wanted to be in a group with for this baking project. And I thought that was fascinating. And maybe that's just that age, you know, sixth grade, maybe they're not mingling as much. The boys had chosen to be with the boys, the girls had chosen to be with the girls. I don't know if that's, you know, the answer to everything, but I, I did talk to this co-ed charter school in Idaho, and they noticed that during choir class, the girls were singing and the boys were really quiet. (laughs) And so they decided to see what would happen if we separated the boys and girls for music class. And that's when the boys really started to shine. They wanted to sing and they wanted to sing loudly, but they were embarrassed because their voices were starting to crack and they were self-conscious. And so they saw a big difference when they separated girls and boys. I think it was between seventh and 10th graders that they tried this with in music class. They did it in the PE class too. They noticed that the girls weren't participating as much. They weren't competitive when they were in PE with the boys. They were kind of giggling on the sidelines and the boys were trying to impress the girls. So when they separated them, they found the girls were really engaged and competitive and and the boys, you know, did, did fine too. So that was an experiment they did. They found it worked and they continued to do that in some of their classes. You know, again, I don't know if that's something that all schools want to do. I don't know if the long if there are long-term benefits to doing that, but schools are trying. Some of these schools are trying to see what works. How can they draw, you know, the skills and confidence out of their students? And these are some of the ways they found. I'm so glad you mentioned that choir piece too, because mm-hmm. that is fascinating. And the only school that I've heard of doing that, you know, generally speaking, in the recent years, you know, like choir has very much become a girl's thing to a lot of the boys. And you know, the the you go to a choir concert and it's like a lot of girls and maybe a couple boys. And it makes it hard for those that want to remain engaged in music to do it. Yeah, there are some very real developmental things going on that make it difficult for boys to sing at middle school. When your voice is changing and you don't know what's going to come out of your mouth when you open it, I can't imagine how hard that is. Uh, Justin Bieber, the world knows who Justin Bieber is, right? This poor boy turned man who had to go through this in the public sphere and then hope that his voice made it good enough as an adult that he could continue. I have the utmost sympathy. So um, I love that you brought that up. And what I hear here is that this, this willingness to experiment, right? Try something. If what is going on in your school isn't working, try something else 
have some flexibility, be willing to experiment and then see what happens. Um, it sounds like that's a lot of what you were reporting on, Julie, is kind of these experiments that people tried and, hey, this is how it's working out here. So maybe try it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if these had been the complicated, you know, difficult things to, to do that could only work in an environment of all boys, then, you know, I don't know that I would have wanted to write about that because that's not really helpful to most people, as most kids are not in single sex schools. Right. Um, and you, yeah, and, and boys and girls have to obviously learn how to interact and coexist with each other. But yeah, what are some things that, you know, I, I was talking to an expert who was saying you can adopt boyfriendly practices in your school without being unfriendly to girls. This is not about discriminating and saying we're not we're not going to focus on girls anymore. We're not going to encourage them to go into STEM and all the all the good things that have happened for girls in education. It's about what what can schools do and what can parents do to make the environment more welcoming to their sons and give them the feeling that school is for them too and still be just as welcoming to girls why can't these things work for both like you said Jennifer like who wants to sit still all day for 90 minutes I mean yeah the girls will benefit from running around outside too they might just be doing different activities we are going to talk for less than 90 minutes but I guarantee you, before we sat down for this conversation, I got up, I got a cup of coffee, walked around the house, and guess what I'm going to do as soon as we're done? Get yeah. up and move around. Mm-hmm. And I've been wiggling in my seat because <laughs> that's what I do. So, Julie, this is so much practical, real information that I really encourage our listeners to take a good look at what's happening in their schools become advocates, you know, you can, you can do that in a graceful way. It doesn't have to be a conflict, but it is all about looking at where our boys are suffering. And I, I'm not even putting air quotes around that, Mm -hmm. where they're suffering and where they are feeling like they are failing when they're just really being who they are. And we've got to change this notion that school has to look a certain way. So thank you for all of your reporting on that. I'm really curious what the response to these two recent articles has been. In a lot of ways, you know, for Janet and I, it's like you're preaching to the choir. We're going, yep, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm. But not everybody is as on board with this as we are. So I'm wondering what the wider response has been thus far. Yeah, you know, and I was I was expecting to have a lot of people say, how dare you write about boys? I got a couple along those lines, but not as much as I thought. I would say overwhelmingly, I received messages thanking me for shedding light on this. I, I got messages from mom saying, I could just cry reading this because I thought I was all alone in my struggles with mm-hmm. my son. And now I see I'm not alone. So many messages like that. Mom, from moms, from dads, uh, from grandparents who are concerned about their grandson. Yeah the response was huge. And like I said, it was overwhelmingly just thankful that, you know, that there's someone writing about this. I didn't get the type of uh, blowback that I thought I might, but there are differences and they're manifesting in, in schools. I think that is great news for our boys, for our schools, for our society. We have to talk about this. Nothing's going to change until we start talking about it. Uh, We both want to thank you for elevating it to the national conversation and forwarding that. And that comment that you said you were getting from parents, you know, I thought I was all alone. That's why we do this podcast. We do this podcast because you are not alone. What is happening with your boy, your family? It is happening all over the place and not just in the United States. Janet, Mm -hmm. you've got coaching clients all around the world. Mm -hmm. So there's strength in that. There is community in that. And we can learn from one another and figure out how to do things differently. Small little tweaks can make a huge difference as your reporting has shown us, Julie. And listeners, yes, links to her articles will be in the show notes. I encourage you to uh, not only check them out, read them, share them. That's how we keep this conversation going. Share it with your um, parent teacher group at school. Share it with the administration. Keep the conversation moving. Well, and I heard that a lot. I had several 
parents and um, also some educators and, and coaches and people that kind of, you know, work in this space who said, I'm sharing this with my superintendent. I'm sharing this Yay. with all my kids' teachers. I'm sharing this with counselors at my kids' school, like all of that. And this is sort of a side note, but I think where sometimes parents feel like they're the only ones is, you know, us moms, we're on Facebook and we see other moms post about their kids got into X, Y, and Z college. Yeah. Their kids got all these awards, they're a National mm-hmm. Honor Society, all of these things. And you start to think, gosh, what's wrong with my kid? Why are, you know, my child's not getting, didn't get into this school or didn't receive this award or have this accomplishment. And so it does make, and that's a whole other story, which I've, you know, kind of written about before, but, you know, you start to feel like everybody else is winning <laughs> at life. Yeah. And so this will be a bit of a blatant plug but Janet and I both have Facebook groups. Mine is Building Boys. Janet, yours is Boys Alive. Mm-hmm. And uh, our groups are much more real places where parents say things like, um, my 15-year-old hates me. I can't do anything right. He's failing all his classes. Yesterday in Building Boys, a dad who's a longtime member, he's like shared a picture. His kid is home from college and it is him sitting in front playing the video game clearly it's Fortnite, and he's like yes that plate there is holding a whole frozen pizza so <laughs> parents there is the other side and you have to find those parents who are willing to share the reality of it because it's hard yes absolutely celebrate the moments when your son has his successes and you need people who can be real about the struggles and I think a lot of parents, they don't talk about that with one another either. Yeah. You know, like you run into so-and-so's, you know, mom at school and it just either doesn't come up in conversation or it's kind of an awkward thing. But as I was reporting this and I was at my kids' schools, I would talk about like, hey, you know, I'm writing this story about boys and they have trouble turning in their homework or they're disorganized. And I, one mom's like, oh yeah, my kid's backpack is just a mess. And that was <laughs> something I heard repeatedly from people, their kids, their son's backpacks were just gigantic catastrophes so it it is something everybody's feeling and Mm -hmm. it is normal and that's the other thing like we have to understand this is normal for boys it's not that your son is defective or abnormal in any way that's just who they are at this stage of life they they may be that way when they're 40 but probably not hopefully they won't they won't you know but what can you do in the meantime to help them get a little bit more organized because that really feels like it's half the battle at school is just being a bit more organized and that Mm -hmm. just seems to happen more naturally to girls at this age. I mean, I've got an 11 year old daughter and she's got the neat binders and the perfect handwriting and everything's color coded in her notes. And she's a dream to her teacher. Her teachers love her because she's easy. She turns in her stuff on time. She doesn't have any missing assignments, you know, but boys on the other hand have a harder time. And so how do we help them? I'm going to share a bit of backpack hope with our listeners. I have such a distinct memory. It was back to school time. You know, I got all the notebooks, the folders, the colored, you know, laid it out in piles. Guys, load up your backpacks. At which point my youngest son came in and he unzipped his backpack, which he had to dump out from last year, which had papers, crushed up snacks, things I could not recognize anymore. It was so bad. Pick all that up, throw it in the garbage. And listen, I did not hire a tutor. I did not hire an executive function coach. And honestly, I did not work with him on organizational skills. But now it's like six years later and he is running and managing his own business. It matters to him and he's grown and he's more organized. So parents, if your boy's backpack is a disaster, that by no means means he is going to be a failure. Listen to what Julie said. It is not that your son is defective. There are others around you. Let's work together and let's make school a better place for our boys. And Julie, thank you so much, as you said, for bringing this out into the open, elevating it. And oh my goodness, we look forward to having you back this year to keep talking about these important aspects of raising our boys. Thank you for having me and giving me the opportunity to share my learnings, which um, none of which come as a surprise to either of you because you're experts in this by now. Um, but thanks for doing the podcast. Thank you. As we said, you are not alone. 
You need to advocate for your boys in schools all around the world. And an easy place to start is simply to share this podcast on your social media with your school administrators and with your friends who are also raising good boys. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Thanks for being our listeners. Thanks for supporting our sponsors. The new Super Beats Heart Shoes Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeats, B-E-E-T-S dot com and save 15% with promo code DEAL.